Hey, I'm Bryant. And I'm Noah. You are listening to the Bryant and Noah podcast. We believe in connection, community, and collaboration through meaningful conversation. There is power in connection. Having the courage to reveal our desires will help us understand each other. Each conversation draws us near a new understanding and a more purposeful life. Who we are as individuals can be magnified through community and shared knowledge. All right, Bryant, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Noah, how's it going? Bryant, I am good. How are you? I am good. I am so grateful for today. I feel great. Um, I am so happy that I um, just made a decision on something that I was just kind of hemming and hawing about and finally just came to a decision. And I feel so much better to be going into that feeling of being comfortable with getting uncomfortable. It's just one of those things. So yeah, happy about that. So embracing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. How about you? How are you doing? I am good. I am, I think I'm on like pre-workout drink number two and a half. Um, I went to the gym this morning. I have to say, I get why people get addicted to the gym and I get the love-hate relationship with the gym. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from being very cute on the treadmill and running and my hair swaying in the wind, um, it just feels good. Like the energy, what is, what, what was it? Is it endorphins that run through you? Like, yes. Feel like unstoppable. So that was this morning. I got a haircut finally. Thank God. Hallelujah. Um, Marley is acting right today, which is perfect. And I spoke to my daddy uh, this morning, which is always a great thing because guys, when I call my dad and he answers the phone, it's always with the most excitement in his voice. And it makes me feel the absolute best. So um, that was cool. So I'm having a great day. Um, That's good. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Nice, nice. Perfect. So guys, we have a great episode ahead of us. So the title of this episode is The Art of Code Switching. And of course, we explored us through three questions. So we're going to explore this topic, talking about dating, work, social media, friends and family, how we code switch in those different spaces. And then also we're going to explore the questions of, is the root of code switching directly linked to insecurity? And then uh, going forward with Ebonics and how is the dynamic between education versus comfort within that? So without uh, going into those questions just yet, we're going to start with the question of the day. Mm -hmm. So Noah, I'm going to ask you, would you change anything about yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds like you have a list. (laughs) (laughs) And I do. Um, When it comes, and it's not, these these aren't things of insecurity, I think because I'm a creative and I have, always been prone to this idea of having an aesthetic um i've always wanted to change my nose now my nose situation is actually because i paid, played football or tried to play football um as a child early on if i'm not mistaken this had to be like fourth grade i was um was on the football team i thought i was going to be amazing and i remember this day like it was yesterday i think it had to be second day of practice midway through catch a ball, slip, the other person comes across and kicks me in my nose. And so I have this hump directly in the middle of my nose, which is completely, I won't say completely wrong, but it messed up my profile. And so I've, it's on my list 
um, and on my to-do list to have a nose job. When I reach that level of success, I will be having rhinoplasty, not to change the actual architecture of my nose, so to speak, but just that one flaw that was created. Um, okay. But if we're gonna be in this realm, I can give you a couple things. So I also really would love um, a butt lift. And okay. ideally, believe it or not, I wouldn't mind being shorter. All my life, okay. I, I genuinely like, I know it's weird, but I've always like, what would life be if I was the same person, just short? Like, could you imagine how cute I would be? Like, I'm a stallion <laughs> right now, but like, I would be the cutest thing, like five, like maybe like five, nine-ish. Like, I would give y'all life. Like, okay. it would be great. It would be great. But yeah, that's my list. Okay. Um, I was actually thinking of this from a different angle. <laughs> um, I was thinking about would I change anything about myself in terms of like my personality, oh. um, my mindset and things like that. I was thinking from that angle, to be honest. And I was thinking, no, I wouldn't because I'm actually <laughs> enjoying the, the journey of experiencing growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, so no, I wouldn't change anything about myself in that aspect. Um, but if, if it came to anything physical, I'm really trying to get into the space of being fully secure in mm -hmm. my, my physical body, right? And this body, I understand, is just mm -hmm. a vessel uh, that holds the essence of who I am, but I still want to take care of it, and I still want it to be at its best. But would I change anything about it? I if I were speaking from a space of, I mean, I guess I would like just to be open. Like I suffered from eczema all my life, like severely. And, you know, as an adult now, it's definitely like gotten a lot easier, mm -hmm. but you know, if you asked me this question like years ago, I would say like, I would change my whole, <laughs> I would change my whole, uh, <laughs> like just give me a brand new skin. I hate this one, but no, I mean, I think in a way it's kind of been a protection. It's, I think it's, I hope it's understood what I'm saying, but it's definitely been a way for me to really filter through people. Like those who are for me and love me for me truly yeah. do so and not so much from just a physical standpoint. So I don't know, like, Okay. Would I change anything about me now? Like, no, I now just accept it. And those who accept me kind of understand the wavelength I want to be on. Like, it's not about so much of the physical. Yeah. It's really about who you are and the fullness of you being a person and your personality. Um, and that's something that can't be touched. That's just something that's it's felt through a different type of connection. Yeah. So that makes it. Um, um, first off. I've never thought, I've had eczema my entire life as well. I never thought to actually change it. That's funny. It's, the, it's extremely irritating, but I never thought to change it. But now, to correct my answer, okay. if you had to change personality traits, or if I could, truthfully, I really would, um, I'm, an, I'm, I'm aggressive in my approach to life. And so I genuinely do, I would love to be um, a lot less aggressive and more, and it sounds weird, 
fantastic, meaning everything doesn't need to be responded to. Everything doesn't need to be figured out. Nothing, not everything needs to be handled, so to speak. Sometimes just let things go as they will. Um, and because I've been this way my entire life, literally, I, as far as I can remember, having to either fix or insert myself somewhere, I have an opinion about everything. Um, yeah, but honestly, even though I think I would want to change these things, I am a pretty badass individual. And um, I'm sure if they were to change, the world would be a, a more boring place to live. So, but okay, yeah. so we're going to dive into the topic. And I don't believe we phrased any of these specifically as a question, but um, to discuss the art of code switching, we're going to talk about it in the space of dating, work, social media, friends, and family. So I guess I can pose this question to you. Have you found yourself having to code switch um, in any of these areas? Uh, yes, I definitely have. I would say in the dating space, well, back when I was dating, I, I don't date anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back when I was dating, I was definitely insecure. So I didn't know how to be myself. Mm -hmm. I just went off of the energy that the other person was giving me. And I said, well, let me give them what they want in terms of that. Like, I got really good at that. So when it came to work, uh, not really. I just showed up as myself. And if that made someone uncomfortable, then that's on them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I never felt that I had to change who I was at work. And I think also in a workspace, it's one of those things where they look for so much consistency, which is great, but you are a type of person, you are a person who is multifaceted. So there's gonna be different sides of you with different people and interacting uh, with different people at work and everything. So I don't think it's necessarily a matter of code switching. I think it's just, you just have to show up as yourself. Uh, social media, Personally, um, no, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think so. And as, as you know already, Noah, like I'm not really a social media person anyway. So, um, what you see there is really me. You know, like you've seen my growth journey. You've seen who I am now. So that's just it. Friends and family. Hmm. I will say with family, no, but with not my own friends, but when I was meeting in the beginning, in the beginning of our relationship, my partner's friends, when I was meeting them, I did sometimes feel the need to uh, have a different type of persona. Like I wanted to be more, more serious and more mysterious uh, in front of his friends because I just wasn't comfortable with them knowing the real me because those are your friends, not mine. So it was one of those things of, again, like it was more of like a protection thing. So the code switching, I think it's definitely one of those things where it it has different purposes. Yeah. Depending on the state you're in. What about you? Um, I feel like most of these I have, but I'll start from the bottom of this with friends and family. I don't think there was ever a time that I 
chose to code switch when it comes to family and friends. And it's honestly because it's funny. I'll say this. I'll preface it with this first. I think most people think of the outside world and they don't care who you are, what you think. You just get me, right? That's how I felt <laughs> about my family. I didn't give two shits. You were grandma, auntie, uncle, whatever. Deal with it. You were stuck with me. Um, right. Even prior to me coming out, it really was one of those things where um, my mom loved me so much, I just didn't give two cracks. Um, so I showed up, it was either a high-pitched voice at one point in my life or um, extremely tight clothing, which still is a thing for me, how I eat, how I speak. Um, Co-switching wasn't a thing when it came to family and friends. Perhaps in a space of dominance, meaning I by nature am a submissive individual, but if I care for you, there's a point where I can become extremely dominant. So that kind of goes against what my actual um, persona is. Uh, with dating, I don't think I ever have to code switch. Um, Maybe, no, because that would be a lie. I was getting ready to say I've like tried to be masculine, but that just won't fly well. Um, <laughs> it's just, uh, but more so in the work space. Um, and that's because I, as a leader, um, in most of my positions, I've been in management positions. I've always been um, cognitive of the fact that I have to appeal to everyone, upper management, lower management, and everyone in between. And I don't like the idea of um, Xing someone out or making someone feel uncomfortable where they're not, I'm not approachable as a leader. And so in those kind of, in, in a workspace, I found myself, you know, um, lowering, lowering my tone or how I use my um, hands um, and all of my mannerisms, even how I dress, uh, that was something that I chose to do. And even currently, depending, like if I take a meeting with a new client or I'm meeting someone for the first time, I ease my way into conversation um, in person. Um, and as far as social media, it, it, what you see is literally what you get. If you follow my social media, you don't know what Noah you are going to get because you are going to get a fragment of all of me. Um, loud, rambunctious, judgmental, political, religious, spiritual, it's all there. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. No, yeah, just, I think outside of work, it hasn't always been. I mean, there are moments when I'm like walking and I just like decide to, what's that lamp that guys do? They like walk around the neighborhood. The Labatt thing. Like I've tried that on a few occasions and I feel completely ridiculous and I will never do that. Um, but outside of that, you know, I don't think not too often. Not outside of work. Cool. All right. So moving on to the next question. So we're going to explore this idea. Is the root of code switching directly linked to insecurity? So one, I pose this question. And I think it is because I, or how I've reasoned this in my head is, if you are completely confident in who you are and what you are presenting, the chances of you having to um, mask that with something else 
would be lesser in the sense of you may choose to um, momentarily speak with a lower octave or walk a certain way until you slowly progress into the natural into your natural state. But I think we, if you're an insecure individual about whatever it is, either your femininity or how your voice sounds, how you actually speak, your um, ability to execute the usage of bigger words, depending all of that, you either rest in who you are or you exert this idea of who you should be. Now in that space, I often find myself, and this is funny because code switching for me looks different, I will pull out my internal dictionary when I feel insecure. Meaning this, there's a, there's a, um, what am I saying? You know I'm educated if I'm insecure because then I start, I start using different words. I, I support everything with additional facts, I support everything with examples. Um, I bring in timelines, like I'm overexerting my knowledge in some space. And that for me is a form of insecurity. I do believe that even children who, I won't say children, but adolescents who are figuring themselves out in the LGBTQIA space, um, a lot of the times what you see as far as that hyper-femininity activity or um, that hyper-aggression and masculinity, that's a, it's, it's a form of co-switching because they're, they're choosing to put something forth that's not really who they are. At least that's how I've registered that in my mind. And all of that for me, or how I've um, reasoned that is connected to insecurity. Because if you watch someone progressively become comfortable in who they are, you see less and less of the character and more and more of the person. I agree with that. Yes, for sure. Uh, I think it's definitely a fine line and mm -hmm. it definitely has to come from a decision of you saying, who do I want to be? Mm -hmm. And sticking to that versus oh, I'm uncomfortable in this space. Well, let me um, drum something up that I think people would like. And yeah. it's not really in alignment with who you want to be. So I think it's one of those things where if you are in a space where you're uncomfortable and you feel that you're, that you're code switching out of insecurity is not really to become more of who you are. You're almost diminishing your being at that point mm -hmm. like you're shrinking yourself mm -hmm. to this idea of what you think is what you should present but you are so much more than that one small idea yeah so I think it's definitely challenges confidence in a way uh what the and what that really means versus blending in because okay. there's an internal battle and then there's also this perception of you that you are reacting to. Okay. Yeah. I guess with the confidence part, talking about code switching, because I think I've, I've spoken about it in a negative way. I guess code switching, I'm trying to apply this to myself. Uh, okay. Code switching can be seen as a level of confidence, meaning you, oh, this is perfect. Perfect, wonderful. Sasha Fierce. Mm -hmm. The perfect I, the perfect example of co-switching. You have Beyonce, you have Sasha Fierce. You have her, her stage presence, and then you have the actual artist. And I think a lot of us do have our, uh, our, our 
our variation of our Sasha Fierce, this is the person that usually we present to the world when we are at our absolute best. And this is the only way that I can probably break this down and explain it, if it even makes sense. But um, for the most part in my regular everyday life, I am secure in who I am and therefore I am usually calm. I am to myself, I am reserved. There is nothing to push forward. I am just existing. And sometimes just existing is the best level of confidence. However, there's a point to, of um, having to show up, meaning, for instance, recording this podcast and me being exhausted from being up at 5 a.m. What I am giving you is a reserve, ultimately a version of Noah that is always ready to go. Yeah. I know that I have to deliver. I enjoy delivering. This is what I want to do. And so what you are getting is essentially a mask a switch turned on to yeah. make sure that I don't let anyone down. Yeah, it's a performance. Exactly. And I think like, and I think we've all found our, in ourselves in a space where we've had to perform. Otherwise, there's going to be these other ideas formulated about us if we don't. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, it's a fine line between it being truly coming from you or coming out of a place of insecurity. Like who are you deciding that you want to be? Yeah. Because only you can decide that. I think it gets um, muddy when we feel that that performance is not in alignment with who we are, you know? And we've seen that many times in workspaces yeah. where it's like, oh, they want me to be this, especially when you're young because you're still trying to figure yourself out and you're trying to figure out who you want to be while at the same time living up to this standard air quotes I'm using the standard of what this corporation wants right Right. so while you're trying to find yourself and building up your self-confidence you're still just putting on like you said this mask and performing for what the ideal employee avatar is for this corporation Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like okay wait a minute who am I you know and I think that's uh like now that I'm in my 30s, I've definitely been on a scale of that um, level where I was performing, but still trying to find myself. And I said to myself, Brian, just be yourself. And those who like it are going to like it. Those who are like, oh, he's changed. Well, then no, I'm becoming more of me. So I think it's just one of those things where you have to be confident in yourself and know yourself and show up as that. Not saying that there isn't opportunities for growth or anything. Like as long as you're growing yourself and you're coming out of a place of being secure and you're truly in alignment in the spaces that you choose to be in, you're doing great. But if you find that the space you're in is not in alignment with who you want to be, then that's where the internal battle becomes something where it's like, ugh, yeah, why is this so hard for me? Why am I? Why is what I'm saying or what I'm doing not landing? This piggybacks off of the mention that we had last episode about the personas online. Um, mm-hmm. And as you were talking about it, I think a lot of people get, and I, I guess, because I know we're talking about code switching, and a, a lot of this is honestly just essentially pretending, if you will. But the personas that are displayed on social media, people get lost in them so much, which is why it doesn't necessarily kind of play well offline. Um, 
do you this is a this is just an additional question mm -hmm. why do you think people become so bought into the personas that they themselves created for the world like you know like going on like when people are posting they're aware that this isn't their reality this isn't who they it's, are it's a fear you know i think it's a fear of going off the beaten path right like a fear of losing like if i lose these engagements that i'm getting then you kind of have to come face to face with who you are and who you want to be mm -hmm. you have to face that it's almost like <laughs> um pretending to have the perfect relationship but you go home and there's tension and arguments. But on the outside, everyone thinks it's pretty imperfect because that's what I present. It's it's really hard to have to face all of those things. And really, when you have to look at it, it's like, oh, this mountain of work I have to do. Mm -hmm. Like I already, it's just easier to just put this out and show this. Like, I don't want to deal with that work. Yeah. And I can understand that's a real feeling. Like it's like, I don't think anybody should feel bad about having to um, actually deal with that. It's a real feeling and it's, it's, it's real. People are out here dealing with that. So I think it's just one of those things where it's a fear, but the but I think it's so much more, it's a beautiful thing once you're on the other side of that, okay. especially when it comes to the self-work. Like you'll feel so much better and you'll learn to equip yourself with tools that uh, that you probably didn't have in the past, which is why I recommend therapy. I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but you'll find that you're, you'll equip yourself with tools that uh, it's going to make you more of who you want to be. And it's actually going to help you uh, really become more intentional about mm -hmm. what you do and then who you surround yourself with. And I think one of those tools is definitely about uh, for me personally, it was about setting proper boundaries, yeah. but also learning to be gentle with myself and celebrate myself because I was literally the type of person where it's like, I, as much as somebody else can think like, Brian, you're amazing in this. Inside my mind, I was thinking like, Brian, you're not good enough. Uh, that was so stupid. Uh, how could you do this? You made a mistake. Like today I made a typo. Like um, and we'll talk about that later, but I had a typo on a tweet that I had. The past me would have been like, delete it, Brian. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you forgot that. But me, I'm like, it's a, it's a mistake. I'm human, like calm down. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things where once you learn to grow and accept yourself and get past that fear of dealing with the real things that you're facing in your life, it'll get better to present the real you. And you won't be afraid of that anymore and afraid of just having to serve up what people want to see from you because you created it like you could just serve yourself yeah and that's so exhausting having to serve people on a daily basis i'm just be i needed to say that it's, it's extremely exhausting having to serve people if you are in that position please stop it okay so moving forward with this conversation we're going into i'm very excited about talking about this because i've grown as an individual people and let's celebrate that let's talk okay. about bonding Broken English, the Black language, lingo, whatever you want to call it. Um, I preface this earlier because I, at one point or another, maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, anyone that spoke Ebonics, I essentially equated you to uneducated. It was one of those things, one contributed by my parents of 
you know, correcting your English often, like um, I used to do them before. Instead of saying strawberry, I would say, or for instance, say strawberry with a C or what it is. Um, I'm from Miami, so we say a lot of things. Okay. We say a lot of things incorrectly, so I can't think of everything right now, but like everything from um, Jesus, Lord. See, I can't even think of anything. Lul, I was not allowed to say lul at all. Little is the word. Um, do you think, not think, I guess, I guess we can break it down the way that it's written. Education versus comfort, the right to be yourself. And we're talking about Ebonics. Um, what are your viewpoints? I think with everything you just said, um, that's how culture gets erased. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's going to exist. It exists and it is there. You can choose to participate in it or not, but it has no bearing on education level. And I think it's something that's been um, just sort of, it's just something that's been implanted in our minds. And I know I suffered with this when I was uh, younger, where if I had to be a perfectionist and it was all about equating to um, a certain level of whiteness, where if I didn't say speak properly, then I would be labeled as uneducated. So it wasn't something that I participated in, but I had to come to a realization like, no, this is, these are people in your friend circle and your family circle who speak in Ebonics. Like, it doesn't mean that you don't have a right to be yourself just because you don't. Um, it's, it definitely wasn't insecurity. Um, I really, think you put it so beautifully when you speak talking about speaking with your god brother how you two just interact mm -hmm. um and it's about basically it goes unsaid that there's a level of comfort there and that you're part of this family i yeah. think that's really what it speaks to um so yeah i think uh in my experience i just had to get comfortable with me being myself and that the way i spoke has no the way i speak has no bearing on how black I am or how, or do I deserve to be in the space that has no bearing on it. I've definitely had those instances where whether in the workplace or friends of friends, friends of friends saying things like, oh, why do you talk white or this and that. But now that I know better, it's just one of those things where I see that it's about how, it's about the, history we've been through, the world we live in, the climate, like all of those things play a part in how someone is perceived and how they speak. So uh, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. I think now as an adult, I know better mm -hmm. and that is just a result of, you know, past history where, <laughs> how do I say this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's almost one of those things where it played a trick on, especially me being a young black kid growing up, played a trick in my mind where it was like, you will only gain respect and success the closer you get to whiteness. Yes. And now I know better. It's like, no, there's a deeper history behind all of that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of how I get to navigate the world. 
And at the end of the day, I'm still a black man walking the earth. Yeah. So that's just how I see it. You know, you have the right to be yourself. Agreed. And I think, I think the culture aspect comes in for me, it comes in very last and it's hard to get to the culture portion of it when the language itself, um, it isn't a largely shared uh, language. And so when you use it in spaces like say at school or at work or in a new group of people, it can come off, I'm using air quotes, quote unquote, ignorant. And it's not for me, my opinion, no one else's and not of the podcast. It's not the most attractive language. Me growing up, and I grew up in the ghetto, it was one of those things that my parents were very adamant about. You needed to use- Wait, 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 wait. I got to pause you because I want to understand. Are you saying that it's ignorant on a person who's like overhearing it and doesn't understand it? It's ignorant no, of person that? using it. Oh, okay. person using it. Um, All right, so I'll let you continue. Yeah, no. My parents were very adamant about my brothers and I never using um, shorthand words what we equate to shorthand text now, like the LMA, LMAO, all that stuff. Um, okay. It was important that we spoke with clarity, that we spoke with um, the ability of every, the ability, the space for everyone to understand us. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I, un, or that I started gaining the understanding of the cultural aspect. Because in all honesty, I don't even think that our people I won't say our people. Um, majority of Black people didn't understand the, um, the what's the word? Uh, Jesus, 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 what's the word? Um, I don't think a lot of us understood the connection between the language and our community. We just knew that this is what we spoke. And it was, a, it was for a while always tied to a sense of lack of education because grandma didn't go to school past the sixth grade, she passed down this broken language, we picked it up and so on. Um, and it was, it's beliefs like that, which is why my mom and my dad, my aunt and my uncles all made sure that we all spoke clearly according to the school system. Now, as an adult, I understand the talent that it takes to speak proper English, Ebonics and multiple languages. Um, I now have this understanding that the ability to assimilate doesn't have to be a negative thing and using Ebonics doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be associated with the lack of education. But at where do, what am I saying? Where's that fine line? Like I've gone to really great grade schools, middle schools, high school, college, great, wonderful. My community is my community. I mean, I live there anymore, um, and my people are still my people, but does it, let, does it, again, make me less native to my community because I no longer use it? And then no, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's one of the things, well, here's where I'm seeing it from, and I, I'll, I'll try to make this connection make sense. Okay. I just have to work through it. <laughs> I remember years ago, I was reading this article, and it was about this huge um, supermarket corporation, and it was basically at one of their locations, um, someone had an issue with some of the employees speaking Spanish to each other. Okay. 
And because they couldn't understand what they were saying, they felt like when you're in this workspace, you should only speak English. And I was just thinking to myself like, well, what if they, that's easier, that's the best way for them to communicate with each other to number one, get the job done, mm-hmm. or secondly, have a positive workplace culture. Like, but you're telling them because you're uncomfortable with the language that you don't understand that they can't use it around you. And I think it's one of those things that's very similar when it comes to Ibanez, where it's like, again, the closer that you get to whiteness, then you'll have more success and more respect. And also now you're accepted here because you learned the lesson, so to speak, where if you speak Ibanez, then it's like, uh, well, you'll stay where you are, but you'll never be welcome here, which again, is the system where I set up to mean that once you're welcome here, it means that you have more potential for success. And I don't think, like me, I don't think that has, how you speak has no bearing on, again, education level or how much success, success you can reach. So I just think it's one of those things that for me, it's just, it is what it is. Okay. You have a right to be you. It has nothing to do with education level. Like you're still going to be accepted. Like, I don't, like I'll, I'll share this as, as a joke, like my brother, <laughs> he speaks Ebonics very often. And sometimes <laughs> in our phone conversations, I just have to like, honestly ask him, what does that mean? Because I'm not often, we don't, we don't have the same uh, company. We don't have the same friends. Like we have separate friend groups and you pick up based, you pick up things based on the environments that you're in consistently. So <laughs> I remember this was years ago, we were having a conversation and he said, I was explaining something and I guess maybe I was rambling, maybe I was, cause I often do. Um, and he said, say less, say less. And I was thinking to myself, whoa, that's rude. Okay, well, I guess I'll talk to you later. Because I honestly thought he was telling me like, shut up, like be quiet, like. <laughs> but um, he was honestly just saying like, no, I understand. So it's one of those things where like I like to liken it to what you were saying with your god brother when you two speaking it's about comfort and about acceptance and I think that's the place that we need to be at with it because it has no bearing on education and it doesn't mean that you're now allowed within a certain class like I just I don't know I just find the idea of it being connected to that is exhausting like why can't you just accept the person who they are like you have a right to be you in the same way that they have a right to be themselves and the way that you speak should not be a marker for who has a right to be (laughs) agreed agreed um i'm trying to make sure i don't say anything that would get me beat up um okay (laughs) because okay so there's again i use a bonnet I use spoken English, I guess, with my friends. Um, ever so often, it's similar to gay lingo, like this. I think it's very few words that I use in the gay dictionary. I use this. I have recently started using the word trade. Um, I hate DL, um, but I'm saying all this. There are certain words that I will use amongst my friend circle. However. I am not one to use these particular words in new friend circles. 
And as an option, I don't like it to, I don't like for it to be first choice. And so where I'm going with this is, and I want to see, I just want to get your opinion on it because I am that person in public spaces. If I meet you for the very first time, at least give me, give me the respect of having a conversation person to person, not community to community, not brother to brother, sister to sister, use your word. I don't, I never like anyone to choose to use um, gay lingo, broken English, whatever with me in our first line of communication because for me, it's still, perhaps this is wrong. No, it's not wrong, but it's just me. Um, I'm a person of a certain factor, if you will. I carry myself as such. And so when I speak to you, I'm going to speak to you as though you are a person of said stature. And if you come to me and be like, hey, sis, like my face literally shifts. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think that what you're speaking to is we're not on that comfort level yet. <laughs> like, like you can't use that language with me. And I think it's also a matter of um, gatekeeping in a way, like almost like you kind of have to be ushered into that realm that circle to say like you can address me <laughs> or speak this language amongst this mm-hmm. group now and we've seen many many times amongst cultures where certain words is like oh no that's not popular and you can't speak that way and now um because it's become mainstream now it's okay we've seen that happen so many times and it's and it's um it's the erasure of culture and who it truly belongs to. And I think that's where I take issue is the erasure of the culture. And that is not um, the respect of having that language still remain special amongst a certain group is gets lost when it's just used in the mainstream or not um, kept as because the reason for it was for protection or to say like, you're my, you're part of, my, you're part of this family and things like that, like this safe space for you. And I think it gets, when it becomes mainstream, that gets lost. Agreed, okay. Yeah. Alrighty. All right, let's move on to the POV. Yes, so um, <clears throat> POV. So I saw a video, <laughs> goodness, I saw a video on Twitter and this woman basically saw her significant other, saw some text messages that he was sending to someone else, and she got very upset about it and took revenge on him. Basically, uh, goodness, wash, switched out conditioner for her hair removal cream mm-hmm. and conditioned his hair with it and removed all of his locks. Now the man is bald. This and now as far as I've gotten an update of the story. Um, she's just saying she feels really bad about it, you know? And it just made me think, like, is revenge worth it? And I tweeted about it because, not directly linking it to the video, but I basically said, I don't think I could be the type to seek revenge. And even in the past when I thought I wanted to seek revenge, I never this when I was very young, I never felt good about it afterwards. Like I still wasn't satisfied. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, I think sometimes people ignore the red flags or the signs, and then it leads to them wanting to seek revenge because 
you've compromised on things that you never even wanted to be up for a negotiation yeah. or you didn't properly set the boundaries or you two didn't really set level set at any point hey this is how we're going to work through these issues or this is set or this is not um so just personally i don't feel that revenge is worth it because i think it should be all about protecting your peace and also yeah it's great that you love this person this and that but at that point that you want to seek revenge, choose yourself first, like love yourself first, like it's not worth your peace and it's not worth you going through the negative emotions and having to deal with the situation. Like it, in my opinion, it's better to just leave mm -hmm. or make it a conversation because then you'll discover more of what you want and it'll actually be good information for you to discover what this other person wants and if it's in alignment with what you want. Agreed. I just thought it was really interesting. Like when I saw it, I was just like, wow. And you know, she was saying honestly that she feels really bad like afterwards. And she even admitted, like, I probably, I think in the middle of doing it, I thought to myself, I went too far. Like she did admit that, you know, like, and I just thought that was a sad thing because she said clearly she and recorded that TikTok. I know, but she, she clearly, that, she <laughs> that but she clearly, you know, cares about this person i'm not going to discount that like she clearly cares about him i think she just realized that she made a really terrible decision and i think sometimes we have to check ourselves and really again question ourselves and say like is this the response that i want to have and then also what reaction would i expect after i do this if i were to do it Mm -hmm. Like first, just think about the next five minutes before you go and do something. Right, like a fully thought out plan. Like, first off, again, this is my opinion, not that of the podcast. She is trash. When I saw <laughs> that video, I was like, I know you lying. Sis sat there, very calm and collected. Sis put thought mm -hmm. into that video because when yeah. you watch it, if you haven't watched the video, go to Twitter, find it. Is what it is. She sat there and emptied that bottle, and then we. She had more than enough time to come to her senses. I think this, I, this her yeah. being remorseful, that goes out the window. You got rid of this man's bread. Yeah. I would Again, we don't know the whole story and everything. We don't, right. We but don't I know the whole story. I would we don't know her story. I'm only going off what I saw. I guess. We will follow the developments and bring you an update later. But that was crazy. <laughs> but so my POV is something very simple, but uh, it caught my, it, it caught my attention as I was experiencing it. Um, and it's just this awareness of energy. I had a tarot reading a couple of days ago um, from a good friend of mine, Ray Alexander. And um, aside from him only knowing me via social media and giving me the best tarot reading ever, um, it opened me up to this idea, um, or rather this task of being not just wanting something and not just manifesting or actively trying to manifest something but actually being available to receive said manifestation and um what i'm alluding to guys is i have had three dating offers in the last 72 hours so i'm pretty much popping in these streets currently but no um it was the realization that though i do want a genuine and healthy relationship um and i'm calling these things into fruition I myself didn't necessarily connect to that actual want 
and didn't deem myself either worthy of it or just simply ready for it. And it blew my mind that sometimes, or a lot of the times, there was an outside force that is called into play to assist us in obtaining that goal. Yeah. Um, we often know what we need to do. We often are aware of um, what work has to be done, what we aren't doing, what energies are in play. Um, and because the universe, because God loves us so much, there is a third party often, in some cases, a fourth and fifth party that comes into play and will assist you in opening yourself up or positioning you to receive. And, you know, just the idea that I needed to, I not only needed to want something, I needed to be open to it, um, plays a huge role. And yeah. I think a lot of us are going through life wanting all of these magical things, these amazing things, but not truly believing that we deserve it, which ultimately leads not being open to actually receive it. Um, yes. And it impacts the energy that you put out and yeah. other people, and people feel that people see it, and, they feel and they're it. responding to it. You don't even realize they're responding to the energy you're putting out. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, like, like you said, you have to make that your energy has to line up with what you say and what you do. Yeah. Because then people are going to respond with the energy of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really, that's a good breakthrough. It was. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. One, it's amazing to know that people can read energy, um, or that just people can sense it. I won't say read it. People can sense it. People know when you are. I think you mentioned it uh, the last episode. We were talking about someone's smile. You know when someone is genuinely happy through their smile. People know when you are either in a position of overflow or just happy or ready for something or you're receiving like. People can, people can identify those things. And I'm aware that, you know, I'm not the most approachable all the time. I walk around with a thousand things on my mind. And so um, just knowing that I need to be aware of that energy. So when I walk out my door, I will be open. Okay, you hear me? I will be yeah. open every day I walk out of my door. Um, but it, it was, I thought it was pretty, it was, it was a pretty awesome revelation. So there might be wedding bells at the end of 2021. We don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> okay. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Nice. I love that. All right, guys. So that is our episode. So thank you all so much for listening. So as you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Brian and Noah. You can follow us on Instagram at Brian and Noah. You can search us on Facebook at Brian and Noah the podcast. And you can go to our website, BrianandNoah.com. Absolutely. And don't forget to follow and and comment leave us a review on apple podcast i believe you can leave a review on spotify as well guys thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time talk soon